Before I start this week's Financial Crime Weekly podcast, just the usual word of thanks to Sora Shimazaki at Pexels, who took the photograph which adorns the cover art of the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Financial Crime Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Kirkbride. It is, as I would expect, between Christmas and New Year, being quite a quiet period for financial crime stories. Nevertheless, there are a few interesting tidbits, including a significant comment from the CEO of Zurich, the global insurance company. And I'm going to make some predictions, but they're not mind-blowing predictions, but I'm going to make some anyway, because everyone else seems to be making them. So let's crack on with it. As usual, the principal documents from the podcast are in the description, although there's only one this week. We'll start with sanctions, where not an awful lot has been happening. The only real thing to flag on sanctions this week is that the Russian Spurbank has been forced to close its office in the United Arab Emirates. The office will close in the first quarter of 2023. The other small story is that we may be reaching the limit to what can be done in relation to sanctions, at least in the view of Virginius Sinkovicius, the EU's Environment Commissioner, and obviously natural apologies go there for the pronunciation of that name. It remains to be seen whether this will be reflective of wider policy and not the errant musings of a random commissioner. These comments have not been widely reported, but they are certainly picked up by Russia Today, and obviously they've been picked up by Russia Today because they're fairly pro sanctions being limited. Anyway, that's it for sanctions. Fraud. Ah, the continuing case concerning the collapse of FTX and the indictment of Sam Bankman fried the former CEO of uh, FTX. The news this week is that, first of all, the US District Judge Ronnie Abrams has been replaced as presiding judge by Judge Lewis Kaplan. Judge Abrams recused herself on the basis of a potential conflict of interest. Abrams is married to a former par- to a partner rather at law firm Davis Polk and Waddell, or Waddell, which advised FTX in 2021 and is now advising parties in FTX's bankruptcy proceedings. It's also widely being reported that Bankman Freed plans to enter a not guilty plea at the hearing on the 3rd of January 2023. To Dubai now where it's been announced that the principal suspect in a Danish fraud investigation will be extradited to Denmark to be prosecuted for tax fraud. British national Sanjay Shah is suspected of submitting applications as agent for investors and companies for rebate payments from the Danish Treasury worth more than 9 billion Danish crowns, which is around 1.2 billion euros. Shah denies the allegations. Over to South Korea now, where executives involved in a 2 trillion one that's about one and a half billion US dollars crypto exchange fraud have received varying terms of imprisonment operating between July 2020 and April 2021 V Global promised around 50,000 investors returns on investment of 300%. The case is once more a reminder that if something is too good to be true it almost certainly is too good to be true. A couple of interesting fraud stories from the UK over the Christmas and New Year period. 
First, the Labour Party, which is the official opposition party in the United Kingdom, has claimed that around £80 million would be lost to online fraud and scams in the 12 days of Christmas tide between Christmas Day and January the 5th, which is technically 12th night, or the 12th day of Christmas. The speculative figure is based on analysis of national fraud and cybercrime statistics and set against the background of criticism from the Labour Party in the delay to the online safety bill. The other story from the UK is a report from The Guardian concerning the meagre efforts to recover sums spent by the UK taxpayer on personal protective equipment. The Public Accounts Committee has found that a stockpile of PPE has been created which is worth £3.9 billion, while there are disputes with over 100 suppliers over the quality of PPE provided to a value of £2.7 billion. Of these outstanding amounts, a mere £18 has been recovered by the Department of Health, Health and Social Care. This is but another example of the scale of the problems with fraud associated with the British government's management of the response to the pandemic across a number of fronts. Whether it was procuring PPE, creating VIP lanes for suppliers, and responding to lockdown with bounce-back loans, which weren't particularly rigorously overseen, it's a reflection of the scale of an issue of fraud and how circumstance can be exploited by the unscrupulous. And the one thing that really is incredible about this is the lack of political will to recover the taxpayer funds which have been wasted in this way, especially when public borrowing is at a significant level and there is a cost of living crisis where people are struggling struggling to make ends meet. It seems staggering that a political party which leads the country at the moment, which is so committed to public spending restraint and so on, isn't as keen as it ought to be to recover this money. Now, final bit of fraud news, and I think this is an indication of where we can do a bit of prediction for 2023. I think this is the most significant of all the stories this week, uh, but it concerns Mario Greco, who is the CEO of the global insurer Zurich, who's indicated that such is the scale of cyber attacks which are being committed against organizations and public bodies like hospitals and so on such is the scale and the significance of those that the risk is becoming greater than, say, the risk which is posed by a natural event, such as a, a flood or some other event, such as an earthquake. As a consequence, cyber attacks may become uninsurable. This contrasts in stark measure with the number of stories, the sheer number of stories. Now, frankly, ignored the majority of them because a lot of them, I think, are basically infomercials. But the number of stories over the last six months that have been directed at businesses, can you afford not to get cyber insurance? Well, soon it may be impossible to get that cyber insurance. And I've commented in previous issues of the Financial Crime Weekly podcast that I think cyber insurance, if it's retained, could certainly become unaffordable for small and medium enterprises. And that it's only going to be larger corporations that are going to be able to bear the burden of the premiums which might be asked for by the insurance companies. Anyway, I'll return to this briefly when I talk about predictions, although, again, I'm still hesitant to talk about predictions. 
a couple of points about bribery and corruption, and then I'll get on to, I'm going to call them predictions again, but I'm not sure they are. Anyway, to Japan, where a former official with the Tokyo 2020 Olympics board has been granted bail of 80 million yen, around 600,000 US dollars, following his arrest on charges of taking bribes. Uh, Haruyuki Takahashi uh, is alleged to have taken bribes from sponsors of the Games. And in Gibraltar, the UK police has been asked to assist the local force to investigate alleged government corruption. The link to the article concerning that from the Guardian newspaper is available in the podcast description. Now, 2022 draws to a close. So, can we make any predictions for 2023? I don't want to, but everybody else is, so I'll show. I'll maybe throw my two penneth in, but I'm not sure Not sure whether my wild stabs in the dark will provide anything like, anything sage-like that we might expect. I think I'll start with those comments from the CEO of Zurich Insurance concerning the withdrawal of insurance products protecting against cyber attacks. First, I think this tells us that there will be an uptick in the scale and the impact of cyber attacks. I, I don't think that can be doubted for a moment. The insurance companies, the insurance industry has clearly done its number crunching. And I think they're satisfied that there will be an increase in 2023, both in the frequency and I suppose the complexity of the cyber attacks. Whether this does result in the withdrawal of policies to cover such events remains, I think, to be seen. But there may be something of a salami slicing approach. There are already limitations on cyber attacks generated from sovereign nations. So further limitations wouldn't be without precedent. However, I think a more likely restriction, if there is to be one, is to place more obligations on the insured especially in relation to human actions through stronger training programs to staff, because that would provide, I think, a a clearer message, a clearer statement of the seriousness with with which that kind of um, attack is taken. Humans may remain a weak link in some areas of financial crime, but I think in terms of a well-trained compliance context. I think humans have an important role to play. And in fact, I think this may also be a clarion call for the return and the soft peddling, the dampening, if you like, of the use of artificial intelligence and other forms of non-human oversight in relation to compliance. Although perhaps I'm being too radical there, perhaps I'm going too far. and Maybe I'm just taking some consolation or trying to be nicer to the fellow members of the human race. What about sanctions? Well, the, pre- uh, the pressure, pressure will certainly stay there. And now we're through the imposition stage. I think there is some truth, although I'm never entirely convinced about the words of one European commissioner, as those I commented on earlier in the Financial Crime Weekly podcast. But I do think we're reaching the stage now where there's not a lot more that can be done. Yes, we can start to target more individuals, but in terms of substantive strategic sanctions activity that can be sanctions that can be imposed i think we've probably reached the limit if not we've become very close to the limit so i think the natural thing to do will be a shift to enforcement to ensure that there is no circumvention of sanctions either by those who are sanctioned or by those who are 
policing the sector. So authorities will start to focus more acutely on the observance of sanctions, I think. And this is understandable if you look at the wider context. This will certainly not only be the case in the UK, but also in the EU and the US. In fact, the EU has identified breaches within its member states. I think I covered a story earlier in the Financial Crime Weekly podcast, in an earlier edition of the Financial Crime Weekly podcast, where um, somebody acting out of the Netherlands was arrested for alleged sanctions breaches. And of course, the European Union announced recently that it was to criminalise sanctions abuse. In terms of fraud, can we do a bit of horizon scanning there? Well, fraud has been the big part of the Financial Crime Weekly podcast. We're already seeing the sort of things that I think will be happening in 2023. The recession and the cost of living crisis is providing a platform for fraudsters and scammers to exploit the vulnerable. And this is something that I've commented on in previous editions of the Financial Crime Weekly podcast from people saying that you can get money out of your pension, pension scammers and so on, trying to provide people with an option when they don't have any other real options to pay for the basic necessities of life. So I think you can expect to see an awful lot more guidance for individuals in order to avoid becoming the victim of scams. I would also expect a much tougher enforcement regime uh, to become, uh, sorry, sorry, a much stronger enforcement attitude to come in place, and maybe even a new enforcement regime. But anyway, that's my two penneth. Nothing groundbreaking in it, but everyone else was doing it, so I thought I'd better chip in as well. But whatever happens, you can guarantee I'll keep on it with the Financial Crime Weekly podcast. So that's it for this week's episode of the Financial Crime Weekly podcast, the last one of 2022. If you want to keep following me in 2023, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you'll hear from me again, all being well, next Sunday with the usual weekly roundup of all things financial crime. Happy New Year, everyone.